everyone, and thank you so, so much for joining us. I'm Aoife Wilson, and I am very excited and honored to be speaking with the team at Mobius Digital today uh, to have an in-depth look at how they brought their BAFTA-winning game, Outer Wilds, to life. Now, Outer Wilds won an incredible three BAFTA Games Awards at this year's ceremony in April. It won Best Game, Game Design, and Original Property, and they were all so well-deserved. So before we get started, can I ask everyone in the team to introduce themselves and to um, maybe just explain their role in making the game just before we get started? Uh, sure. Uh, hello, I'm Alex Beecham. Um, I'm a co-creative lead at Mobius Digital and I was the director on Outer Wilds. I'm Andrew Prallo. I'm the composer on Outer Wilds. I'm Lauren Bruno, co-creative lead uh, at Mobius Digital and I was a designer and for some time producer uh, on Outer Wilds. Hi, I'm Kelsey Beecham. I was the writer for Outer Wilds and worked on narrative design with Alex and Lowen. Awesome guys, thank you so thank you so so much for joining us. Now um, we are going to have a little Q and A um, towards the end of this session today. So if you have any burning questions for the team about Outer Wilds, um, do pop it into the little Q and A tab at the bottom of the screen there, and we'll get through as many as we can uh, in about the last ten to fifteen minutes, let's say, of the session. So without further ado, let's dive in. Um, uh, Alex, maybe we start with you. Now, I know this game was a long time in the making. Um, could you maybe talk us through like the initial concept, how it came about, and you know the concept for what eventually became Outer Wilds? How did you bring it to life? Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's been. It start. Oh my God! It started. It's twenty eleven, right? Or some, yeah, it, something. So like the that? end of twenty eleven. So Lone and I went to. Um, well, actually, Andrew Lone and I went to USC together, but Andrew was in the music program. Uh, Lone and I were in the um, the media arts. Mm -hmm. Wait a second, that's my undergrad. We were in, what is it? Interactive media, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were in the interactive media grad program and um, final year of that is you have a, a one-year thesis. Mm -hmm. And so we had a class the previous year that was called thesis prep and you come up with a bunch of little experiments. Mm -hmm. um, and in actually the class before that, pretty much I had, I had made this thing where you like get in a spaceship and fly around. Um, and they were like, oh, for your thesis, you should do something cool that pushes interactive media forward. And I was like, I kind of just want to make a game where you go into space. <laughs> um, and it was like trying to figure out how to turn, how to make that, you know, that more interesting than just like a space, make it worth a thesis. Um, and through working on a bunch of little experiments kind of came eventually, um, but with the help of a bunch of people talking, bouncing ideas around to this idea of um, making a game that's all about exploration where the only point of exploring is to learn things about the world. And it's all about making players curious and they're exploring just because they're curious. Um, mm. And then this other side idea of, and what if the world was changing over time in all of these crazy irreversible ways because um, it's, you're, you're like backpacking through nature and you know nature doesn't care about you. and everything kind of fed together um this idea of you're exploring to gain knowledge but the world is like nature's kind of fighting against you it's dangerous things are changing you can only learn you can't change the things you're finding you can only understand them um those were like the two kind of core pillars and then we kind of wove them together um over many years and yeah. a lot of trial and error and that's a little piece of um outer wilds history behind you loan as well right isn't isn't that from the original thesis there is some, yes, the CD show uh, that is, uh, I don't know if you can uh, see it. Right. <laughs> uh, the little solar system there is uh, Outer Wilds. Uh, that was one of their seasons. So that was uh, uh, sort of like the, one of the big times, right, where we uh, 
we finally had a village that worked and that got people hooked. <laughs> right, 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 right. We uh, finally, yeah, because the first version of the, yeah, the village, um, I mean, so many parts of the game like didn't work the first time we tried them. And then we kept getting, yeah, iteration after iteration. The thesis show version was like the beginning of the game is like kind of what it is now conceptually. And then okay. there was a lot of like the planets like existed and things happened and there were like pieces of like the clues and the puzzles mm. and the were there, but just a lot of like missing sinew, like just giant gaps. Um, and then- Right. So the original game was Timber Hearth and how many planets other than that? All of the planets that are in oh, the okay. final game were in the alpha actually. Oh, wow. um, we started out with an idea of like what the solar system was, which was in retrospect ambitious. But at the time we were like, well, we'll limit it to six or so. Um, and we started by kind of, we had this set of planets and we started by figuring out what is the history of this. We kind of built the story into these kind of existing spaces. Mm -hmm. um, but, but like, I mean, even as early as, like we knew what the end of the game was gonna be at, back in like 2012. Really? Um, so it's cool that all these years later, we finally get to see people experience that and, and, and for it to work. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, so, oh, so when did the, when did the, I mean, the, one of the most important concepts in the game is arguably the 22 minute loop. Was that always an aspect? Or was it loan? It was 18 minutes at first, right? It was 18 minutes at first, yep. We just kept making it yeah. longer because level design got more complicated. Um, <laughs> well, I was yeah, going to so, ask you because 22 minutes is so specific. Is, yeah, it's just like play testing. I think when we pitched this for years, when, when, when it was pitched as a thesis project, um, it was, we were like 20 minutes because that's a nice round number. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was ballpark close, right? Um, yeah, the whole, um, the whole idea of being stuck in this loop with things kind of dying around you was part mm -hmm. of the kind of initial, initial pitch. Um, that was actually in before, that concept was there before the idea of exploring purely out of curiosity. Um, that mm -hmm. came a bit a few months later, actually, because for a while we were like, "Oh God, what what do you do in this game?" Um, um, the idea that of like everything being knowledge gated wasn't even there at first. That was linked to the world changing over time as well, right? Sort of like this idea: if the world changing over time drastically mm -hmm. happens, how do you reset? Right? How do you? Get right. We had a meeting. We were like, um, we were like, "Oh God, do you is is the world resetting?" Like part well, well, well the, I think the whole like what what resets the world was there um because that was from the um the experiment from thesis prep where Simon was like make an emotional prototype um and th that was the prototype where you like roast a marshmallow and then like the sun explodes and um you just kind of <laughs> sit there roasting your marshmallow and just <laughs> engulfed in the wave of energy and we were like yeah that, that feel that's that's like the tone at least um I'm really and, happy to learn that roasting marshmallows was always a key concept as well yeah, early on we were like, this should be like more more involved than it needs to be for the final. Um, we should put more work into this than is reasonable. So when so when did it? Because it sounds like the bare bones were kind of always there. So when did it begin to evolve, and when did you kind of start to involve more people in the production as well? So when it was a, the thesis, so it was it was a thesis project, but we actually had a fairly big student team on it, um, mostly on the art side. We worked with Atlantic College University or University College, one of those, I forget which way that is, and uh, LCAD, Laguna College of Art and Design, um, for, for art for the game. And then we also had, um, we would have like design meetings and like, like Lowen would help out on design and I would help out on his thesis project. And we had a few other people who would be in those meetings. Um, we'd work with Kelsey, uh, you know, on writing for like those early village prototype versions. Um, and 
I forget exactly how big the team was, but we for a full year of a kind of student development. And then afterwards, we all kind of went our separate ways. Um, I was like poking on it on the poking at it on the side for a few years. Mm -hmm. The version that we ended up with at the end of thesis was sort of like the solar system existed. Um, things the planets changed in ways that are like recognizable to what they are now. But level design was really rough. I mean, that's generous to call it level design in some cases. Um, and we like were teasing some of the big mysteries. Like like we had our documents that were like, okay, this is these are like the clues we want to add to the game. Um, we had like that narrative web, like an early version of it existed, but the pieces weren't in the game. So like, we would be like, yeah, something like the, the quantum moon was in the game and mm -hmm. you could reach it with the clue and the clue for that was there. But once you landed on it, there was like nothing else. I think it was like, the, like I think it was flat actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was a lot of like, you would get, you'd like get clues and then you'd go and they would just end. There would be no payoff for anything. And so that is what we spent. Um, a tremendous amount of time working on at Mobius was, and then of course the story got way more involved. Kelsey came up with all these know my characters. Um, everything had dialogue and these back and forth <laughs> conversations. And it was figuring out how do we take this sort of narrative, this, this core clue narrative framework and make it feel like an actual story. So how, Kelsey, how do you be, like, do you just get gifted like just this mound of, of narrative beats that you have to somehow, because the way I view this game's narrative is literally, it's always sunny, you know, with the corkboard, like it's literally just that. But I have been sent bigger. that image so many times that I actually, I was, I had the talk accepted before, before GDC 2020 was canceled and uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was that picture, but with like, can we talk about the story? Um, <laughs> No, Alex fooled me with this one because I got into it and he was just like, I just need to uh, write a few lines for this, you know, one character that you interact oh, with at the start. And that. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was just the outfitter originally and like a couple wow. of other, other characters. And then um, the more we talked about it, the more, you know, I, I got into it because it's a very fun concept. And um, I honestly don't know how we came up with, I think there were a few for sure there were a few big beats that Alex was like, okay, we have to hit X, Y, Z. Like, I know this about the game. But there were also a lot of beats that kind of came up because we would talk about kind of how the aliens would exist potentially in that world and what steps they might be taking in their journey. So as we kind of sorted those out or as Alex would come back and be like, hey, I just realized like we have to do this. Um, those were kind of the beats I was structuring a lot of things around. Right. And we would have meetings while we were working at it with Mobius. It'd be like myself, Lone, and Kelsey. And we'd just be talking, like, Lone and I would be coming at it maybe a little bit more from the design perspective um, with, like, the mystery and, like, the, you know, what players know at any given time in mind. And Kelsey would be like, we can't do that because this character's not in this location. They're not <laughs> yeah. like, going yet. And we're like, oh, you're right. Um, and then Yeah, I, I'm a little bit of a, an aggressively logical world builder. But, uh, <laughs> and we I had that, um, I think it was, like, over holiday. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just agreeing. Yeah. There was like a yeah. Christmas a few years ago where we like sat down and because we knew like, like the we were like, okay, we need to tell this clue here and this clue here. We like knew the structure, but we were like, let's come up with like the narrative framing for each of those. Like, Yeah, we'd done so much world building and like throwing story ideas out there that we kind of hit a point where it was like, okay, we're going to have to put this into a more cohesive structure or else we're all going to go slowly mad or <laughs> more mad anyway. So that happened. That was a big overhaul. Yeah. Well, how do you even begin to do that? I mean, how do you? I just, I'm Tell trying, sheets. I'm, right. I'm trying to like. So picture many spreadsheets. How... <laughs> oh, 
it's not very glamorous, is it? Every, uh, every time I get asked like, oh, what tools do you use as a writer? Spreadsheets. But um, <laughs> we had a lot of those and we did a lot of um, kind of knowing what each clue, what each piece of found text was going to impart. And we'd kind of narrow it all down to that. And then we had them chained together in like how they built into kind of a story. And then I could take each clue that I needed or that I knew we needed to do and then build a little piece of story around that based mm. off of like what we'd kind of, you know, it was a really collaborative process. Um, but usually at some point I would go off and write like, a draft of here are these characters talking to each other. Does this get the point across that we're going for? Does it do everything we need a clue to do? Mm. And then bring it back. And then we'd um, annihilate it because <laughs> everything had changed. I think it's also worth noting that like that that sort of like narrative web, we didn't just like come up with that all at once. There were there would be like floating jigsaw puzzle pieces that were just like on their own for years. And we're like, mm. we'll find some place for this eventually. There was a bit you connected way later in the game. Oh, there, there's some stuff. You came up to me and you were, I mean, no, I'm not saying it was just the one bit, um, <laughs> obviously, but, uh, or at least I hope it's obvious, um, but you came to me with that and I was like, we absolutely can't do that. That's not going to work. That's not what these characters are like. And then it was kind of a, okay, but what if it was what they were like? And that, that rolled into, I think, quite a cool thing that ended up connecting things really nicely and... I still don't know how that happened, so. It's almost there like the ship's log itself, yeah. Sorry. That was a bit of a Hail Mary. That was just, we had some play tests <laughs> that were rough. People were like not understanding the game and we're like, what if we just put our design docs like in UI form? Um, like I think Lone and I both like, there was a day where we like both like drew a thing, like the same thing. We're like, yeah, we should probably just do that. <laughs> like with the arrows connecting or whatever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, in addition to the many spreadsheets, there were so many whiteboards, so many whiteboard drawings of yeah. like edge of the planets and a hundred arrows between the planets of like, this leads you here, which leads you here, which leads you here. And like just iterating on that over and over and over again. Yeah, how many times do you think we like drew like <laughs> crappy versions of the solar system on the, the whiteboard in the office? I have so many pictures of that. Because a lot of the time I was working remotely, so I'd have them like take pictures and send them to me. Or if I was in the office visiting, then I, I would take them myself. Um, not, I'm sure I don't even have half of them, but. But it's like, it's like a four dimensional puzzle because you've got this, you've got this narrative that you, that by design players have to, can jump into at any time. But then there's also the timeline of the planets, each of them within that 22 minute loop that you have to, you know, you have to sort of prepare for a player to be at any place at any time at any point in the story. And it's like, ah, it is, it's literally a technical marvel. So I can absolutely see why, you know, it would win best, you know, or game design and, and best game and all that. But I mean, like, were you, were you ever just a bit like, this is too much? Like, it's just fully simulating yes. a tiny universe. It's a big, it's a big ambitious job. Don't do it. <laughs> but you did it. Say, if, you, if you say it wasn't a big deal, Alex, like. <laughs> yeah, never do that. Uh, well, in particular, the 40 puzzle is easy until you put the player in it, and then he does everything you didn't think of. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go back to the drawing boards. It's like... Right, that, that's not so. I, th I think a lot of it was just, uh, uh, I don't know. No plan survives the encounter with the enemy. I think in game design, it's no, <laughs> no puzzle survives the encounter with the player. We had a few that worked. 
It's oh, true yeah. the first time, but it's not the majority. Few um, and far between, yeah. But, yeah. Even yeah. later in the game, honestly, even just at IGF in like 2015, looking at the alpha build, players did some truly bizarre stuff. And I, it's, it's kind of my favorite thing about the game is just there was someone who got out of their spaceship in, in Dark Ramble and then watched it like sail away out of, you know, and like there goes safety. And we spent a good like 10 minutes of our lives like being like, come on, you can get back to it. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but I think that's why so many players respond so well to the game as well. That it's, it, I mean, it, it feels like it, it's all about exploration. It's all about experimentation. And, it, and you're embracing those non-traditional gaming roles and structures, I guess, because it's, it's not like, you know, having objective markers literally all over the map. It is, it's just giving you a universe and letting you, you know, figure things out for yourself. It's, it's definitely, I feel like we ran into a lot of situations um, and low and feel like where, where we would, we would run into problems because the, pe the person playing had like played too many video games and they like expected a certain type of game logic. They're yeah. like, oh, there's these three glowing masks. Surely I have to make them all glow. And it's like, that's reasonable. Yes. That's a reasonable <laughs> assumption, but it's not what's happening. <laughs> like, um, I actually feel bad that that's kind of how I approach it a little bit. And I find, I find it, when I started it, I felt a little bit overwhelmed by it just because it wasn't speaking the language that I was used to. But that's a good thing, right? It's breaking me out of that mindset. Yeah, we, we tried really hard. Like, we didn't even use the word puzzles internally. Um, mm. until like after the game launched. Um, we, tr we just tried to make things make sense as much as possible. And it's more about learning the rules of how this world works. And like Kelsey said, we tried to make sure all the world building made sense. Um, and just all the, pe like the idea that like, if everything is internally consistent, then people will figure it out eventually. Yeah. I think one of the hardest part was, uh, not hardest, but something we, we only got at the end was the, the initial di dialogue. The only piece of dialogue that's mandatory in the game is the one where you receive the launch codes from Hornfells. And we iterated on that till like yeah. very late. I think it was like not too long before release that we got the big, final. I remember doing a big 2017 scramble um, with Hornfells trying to, there were a lot of different, because they'd come to me and be like, okay, so this isn't working well, or this isn't testing right. Can we try, you know, what if we tried this? And I'd go off with this new idea, like, okay, I have to get across this information. And I come back and it was like, yeah, no, that's not good, good effort. But <laughs> that took a lot of finagling. I think mostly because it's such an early piece of the game mm. that, yeah, you're not used to the way it plays yet. But I, I remember think yeah, the, the Hornfels text was very much like, we were trying to communicate to people with that text, like what kind, what the kind, what, what the game was going to expect of you, the whole, like, you should like, choose something you're interested in and like pursue it. We're not going to tell you what to do. And we did try like three other versions of that um, to varying degrees of success. Um, Cause it was just hard to be like, yeah, we're, there aren't, there's not like a goal per se, but you don't want players to just like be like, all right, I'm out. Well, it's, it's almost weird how not used to that you are as a player though. You're, you're used to being told in no uncertain terms, here is your objective. This is where you must go in order to get your next objective. But yeah, like I love that freedom that it gives you, even if it is a bit scary at first, but then at the same time, when it gives you that almost overwhelming freedom, it's conversely almost a relief that death isn't branded as a failure in the game. It's actually, it's an inevitability and it's almost like a, a mark of progression in its own right as well. 
which is really cool. Was that always the intention? No. <laughs> well, I think, I know for a long time we were worried that the time loop premise and the whole like you've got X amount of, the, yeah, the fact that you have X amount of time to do something to explore. Because um, the reason the time loop was in the game was so we could get away with these planets actually moving, the world feeling very dynamic, stuff falling apart, and then we just like hit the big old reset button. Um, we were worried that we had like made a mistake combining that with what is effectively like a, a narrative adventure game where you're, you know, kind of like a mist, like finding clues and putting things together. Mm. Um, I think in, in retrospect, like it worked really well because whenever you get, you die and you get reset, it's almost encouraging you to then make a decision about what you want to do each time. Um, I guess that part of it was intentional. The mm. part of the point of the time, we, we, we did early on, we were like, oh, at the beginning of each loop, we want you to kind of make a plan for what you want to do because you have limited time. Right. Um, like we did, like, it's definitely, I, like I, I do, I love games that give you the right kind of time limit because they make your decisions matter. Mm. Um, but I think the fact that it ended up working so well with the narrative structure we have, I think that was sort of a, a happy, uh, like not, it worked out. I don't know. Oh, oh you be careful. <laughs> <laughs> we we did we did a lot. We worked really hard to make it work. But the fact that like that kind of naturally that game, the fact that the game loop feels so like it was naturally like I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, alone, But like early on, we weren't like oh, and the player when the player dies, they'll like go to their ship log and like this this like very clean loop will happen. No, no, definitely that that definitely was a conflict. I think in the middle when, when we're still struggling at communicating sort of the, this, what the game was about to the player, uh, just because the, um, the, I think the time loop did feel like a failure at first to a lot of players, like dying still felt as a failure. And I mm -hmm. think as we managed to communicate better, like that, no, this is, you're building your own objectives. You're just, you know, uh, satisfying your own curiosity slowly that the, the death became less and less of a failure state and more of a reset state and that helps but yeah that was that was a challenge initially for sure i think i'm probably making communicate yeah that i i just i've watched a lot of playtests and and they not me but they spent so much time trying to just a accurately communicate to the player what's happening because obviously the first couple of times you die you might not understand why or you know yeah. It, it does feel immediately like, oh, I did something wrong. This is a punishment. Because even going back in time in Majora's Mask, say, is, you know, it's, um, it's a separate action than dying. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, we had the added benefit of not watching your rupees stream past you like, ah, the bank. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I remember with the end times music, especially in the very beginning, um, that was one of Alex, right? That would be one of the first tracks we did. Yeah. Uh, with, and uh, there was a whole big portion of trying to make it not seem scary. Um, but the tension would be built by after going through so many loops, when you hear the music kick in, even though it's sort of relaxing, it's more of an acceptance of time rather than it being a I'm about to die in 90 seconds sort of feeling so people would start and like looking through reddit or online and stuff people would be like oh that music is so scary to me because of what it means not actually how it sounds and i think that helped play a little bit into the acceptance of the next loop rather than it feeling like a 
it's time to die scary zone music. <laughs> Andrew, I'm really sorry in advance for this, but I am going to go find a YouTube video and cut like the Pokemon battle music or something in <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> 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 We should, we should have just called the end times a uh, time to die on the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I do totally know what you mean though. Like it's kind of the context and your own state of mind really affects the music in this game. And like there are parts where it seems so peaceful and serene and you're really hitting that campfire, you know, one with nature vibe. And then there's other parts. It's literally like, I, I feel so tense and I don't know why. Cause it's like, it's a bit existential. It's a bit like, you know, that feeling when you're like treading water or something and you know, there's so much water beneath you. It's that kind of, everything's a bit too big. And I think the music plays into that a huge amount. Yeah. Uh, behind the whole concept of like, I feel like the game is uh, a little bit terrifying on its own um, when you're out in space because you, you can feel very isolated, especially if you like lose your ship. So the main thing I wanted to do was make sure you feel like you're exploring and you're part of the grandeur and excitement of the unknown rather than it feeling like the world is a very, or the universe is a very scary place because it can be terrifying in certain ways, but really it's more about the unknown. So to me, there's a sense of peace behind that and the excitement behind what we don't know about the universe and what we can find out and the possibilities behind that rather than it seeming overwhelming. I think, mm -hmm. especially with the travelers, um, it's a smaller place than we think. Um, I mean, it's infinitely expanding in real life, but in this one, like, it's not. And it feels like your home and you have the planets there and there's uh, like, it's about the connectivity, especially behind the trailer's instruments and all that. It's about uh, things can become more familiar over time uh, once you get used to them. And this, the curiosities that you're finding through the music, uh, there's a sense of calming atmosphere behind that. And, conveying that through the, the cues in the game uh, can bring people a relaxation rather than fear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, yeah, like, because the, there is, there are parts of the game that you do feel a bit lonely. Um, and then obviously the Travelers, like that piece of music is obviously very important. Spoilers to the end game and stuff like that. Um, but it's, yeah, music is one of the very few things that makes you feel connected in this world. So was the music for the game and the game itself um, developed uh, side by side? I think you mentioned that you guys were working on a thesis at the same time. Yeah, Alex and I, Alex and Lauren and I all go way back to, I don't know, it's been what, 10 years now? Nine years since we've known each other? Nine. Wow. Yeah. Nine? <laughs> yeah. So, um, this was the second or th third pro like because Loan's original project was the first how I met Alex as well and then there was the first thesis and then the sec this was the second one so I still remember the conversation of Alex just saying let I want to make a game about camping in space and marshmallows and 
what do you think about that? <laughs> and, and I was like, that's how he gets oh, you. Yeah, let's, let's figure yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> it says camping in space and roasting marshmallows and, and backpacking and that it's suddenly like dealing with time loops and death <laughs> and the mechanics yeah. of the universe. And like, I'm on the quantum physics page of Wikipedia going, what? Galaxy brain all at once. <laughs> I, I do remember actually um, the first the, the first email I sent you with like just some re like reference music, uh -huh. uh, some of which was not relevant in retrospect. Um, but uh, I think the first one um, was a Journey of the Sorcerer that because they used it in the opening montage of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I don't think I knew that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And we so, found the email, I think, earlier. It was like, was it last year? Because I remember we were able to just find the very, very first email at some point recently. And it was, uh, I mean, it's like a blast of the past to go back and look at that stuff and how much has changed over so many years. Yeah. How has it changed? Because I think I saw you, you described the music genre as, what was it, campfire post-rock? Was it always that? <laughs> yeah, I'd say... I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, even from the beginning, because the first demo I did was like the campfire song. It's on the soundtrack that isn't even in the game. Um, but uh, it was too rock, I think was the original uh, note. And then after that, I wrote the main title. And that's how the main title came to be. Like it, it was, yeah. it was, it was like we were, we were talking about it being more reflective rather than it like kicking you in the face like right at the beginning of the game um and i remember just sitting at home and just playing the, 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 the little and being like oh that's a pretty cool riff Let the me second I, people I legit remember alex telling me like about i wasn't here for this but he later told me he's like and he just pulled a banjo on screen and started playing it oh yeah i did i used to yeah i used to like for our uh, Skype meetings, I would sometimes just play riffs and stuff and be like, is this one good? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> the second the second piece of music you ever sent, um, you, you delivered for the project was the, the banjo, the main theme on the banjo. And it just like, that was yeah. it. Uh, I remember that because um, usually we do more iterations before we land on a, <laughs> that was, that was. A... Yeah, that was the one where we, yeah, because we've done, especially with, Timber Hearth and a lot of them, we would go through quite a few many revisions. But with the opening title, yeah, that's yep. the one. That that was it. It ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, it was just, yeah, it's so, so good. And like the music can make you feel comforted in some points. And then the soundscape and others. Like I remember the first time I went in to Dark Bramble and met a fate with uh, an anglerfish, and I Honestly, like my heart was in my throat, like it was horrific. And the anglerfish are a bit odd as well in that they're kind of the only thing out there that I can think of that is actively, uh, you know, willing your demise. What was the idea for putting those guys in there? That's actually, um, they're arguably one of the oldest things in the game because they're from the class we had before thesis prep was a world building class. And that's where I made a little project with a project where they had little mini planets. It had a planet that was hit by meteors that broke apart called Brittle Hollow. Mm -hmm. And it had a bunch of asteroids and fog and I put anglerfish um, with lights on them. And I think the reason they were there is that the whole thing was not, it was like the idea was like, like, um, like uh, fishing in space. Everything was like very nautical themed. I like modeled the world's ugliest spaceship. 
um, but it had like this hook on the back and and it, so it was like this kind of like nautical themed space thing it's like oh big anglerfish with lights on them and then they so you just had the tiny planets with the with the lighthouses right you wait a second um <laughs> oh no 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 don't do it oh here we go <laughs> Kelsey Kelsey painted this for me I got a decade ago. <laughs> I, I okay, actually just adorable. put a, a little hanger on it. I've been putting oh. stuff up on my wall. Um, I'm sorry, because Kelsey's a much better artist than that now. <laughs> I, I don't know. It. That's, it's that's so still cute. pretty good. That there are little like lighthouses. My first effort. I think I would have been an undergrad then. <laughs> that makes me a little less scared of the anglerfish, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely beginning. And I just, I think that was actually what really got me hooked when you started talking about it. No pun intended. More. Pun <laughs> always intended. <laughs> cowards. <laughs> mean your puns. I, um, I made. We made a race of, of of space joke, space dad jokes, dad jokes in space. Chefs. I don't know. And you, you have you have campfire post rock, and I'm I'm struggling here. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was going to ask you about the because uh, some of the dialogue in the game. The thing that I really like about it is the Nomai are obviously this ancient civilization, but the way they speak is kind of it's really relatable and comforting in a way. Like they're you're seeing your the, the joy of your discovery and their discovery, like so so yes. many years before. Was that kind of the idea? How did you develop their ways? Very much. Um, sorry, I don't mean to be jumping in. I'm just really, I'm really happy to hear it. <laughs> um, part of that, I think, I mean, it was definitely deliberate. Um, I don't mean to hate on like the Chozo, but the ancient alien thing, it's a trope. And we really, yeah. we were doing a thing already with their interest in, in quantum being what it was. Um, we didn't want to create another species that's like, oh yes, they're wise and flawless. And we wanted them to make mistakes. We wanted them to feel a lot more human, um, mm -hmm. especially because you don't really ever see them. And so you're, you're getting just little bits and snippets. And so it took ages for us to figure out, you know, how do they communicate with each other? How does their culture work? That sort of thing. We did a ton of behind the scenes world building on that. Um, but also some of the joy of exploration, I think, really comes organically from Alex and Lohan, just because they're both people who get really excited about ideas and about science. And uh, I mean, I, I got into it, you know, um, I, I think there's a little bit of little sistering going on there, <laughs> where I'm kind of along for the ride sometimes. But when somebody comes up with like, you know, it's cool, look at it, this is exciting. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's infectious. So, and then we did just a million and one iterations. I, I came up with so many different versions of tone and I kept bringing it back and I'm like, I don't like this either. And I kept doing that until I was late in the game when I was like, what about this though? And we figured out. <laughs> and also they came to me and were like, hey, what if the text wasn't 2D and you weren't just pressing A to get through a big old list? And I was like, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, because what writer is gonna say no to that? They're like, yeah, try playing around with structure and stuff. Um, like maybe we can like project it onto the wall or something or on rocks or whatever. And some of the grander ideas we had ultimately were out of scope uh, as one does. But um, <laughs> I, I kind of transcribed my own like note-taking system where things would branch off and loop back around that sort of stuff kind of made its way into the game. And then they made that possible with the translator tool which in turn gives you a little more agency as you're going through these clues. So that, I think was kind of instrumental in, um, again, pun intended, uh, <laughs> instrumental in uh, creating the, the voice that it did for them. Also, also 
it's a culture that deals with failure a lot. So we didn't want that to be, you know, super depressing. It's true. We were like, oh, the Nomai can't be too tragic. <laughs> Just like going through the list of things. We're like, wait a second. They fail at everything. Oh, we had a couple of things where we're like, well, this has to happen and this has to happen. <laughs> um, one thing you said, Kelsey, uh, which I think is maybe worth a mention is uh, the first pass we did at, um, at the village in Timber Hearth um, when we were first working on the project, um, and we both just kind of waltzed into this. We were like, oh, what if the villagers were like kind of anti-space? Um, almost like in uh, Interstellar you know, hadn't come out yet, but kind of an like an Interstellar. Um, <laughs> and, like, and like, you're the one person who's like, no, I'm gonna go into space. I care about space, but everyone else was kind of like, space, why would you go to space? And, and players, it, it, it like actively discouraged players. Like it worked mm. way too well. Um, They're like, oh, I guess space sucks. Um, scary, yeah. yeah. Stay here. And then Kelsey <laughs> rewrote them all <laughs> to be like like into space. And that's where we were like, oh no, they have a whole, you're not the only astronaut. They have a whole space program. It's launch day. Kelsey rewrote all the villagers to be like, maybe like a little wary, but like ultimately excited about the idea of space and learning new things. And then that train, and then it, we, we saw, we saw that players were just like, when they encounter characters that are excited about a thing, it's more likely that they become excited about the thing. And totally. Then, yeah, there are, there like, are yeah, ways, there are bits and pieces in there. Oh, yes. sorry. Yeah. I did the thing. I got excited. No, it's there are fine. There bits and pieces Please. in there with like language where they don't really get it. So they do small things, but it's really small things. But I'm a writer. I like playing with language. So like they refer to space as up, which is not true because obviously <laughs> it's all around you. But um, minor, I, I'm. I just, I, I feel like now is as good a time as any to formally apologize to the French translation team in particular. Um, I made the worst <laughs> text to translate and I'm so sorry. And we had those like joke translations where um, the text is badly translated. So you get idioms that don't quite come out right. Like between a rock and a place of similar hardness is one of the ones for the Nomai that I reference a lot. It's maybe my favorite. And I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> they were very fun to write. They were a lot of fun to play with. Alex and Lone got into it in meetings. Like some of those are def that have definitely got to be yours because it was a good time. But the French translation team uh, wrote a thing. Uh, I think it was a blog post we had a while back and they were like, so the tricky part was making it sound like it was deliberately mistranslated and not just us doing a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Cause the joy, the joy of discovery is really the th the main impetus for players to keep going right it's like when you're met with you know exploding planets and black holes and supernovas it's it's that sort of oh it's I, I'm, I'm just i'm learning as i go and i'm piecing this all together and it's like it's that yeah that joy that that keeps you going and having everyone else kind of be rooting for you whether it's through you know an instrument or through their dialogue that's you know that means everything <laughs> but um, when did we start the dad jokes for the nomai? <laughs> I feel like that was a that came pretty late, didn't it? It was it yeah, was after we started working at Mobius, but it I remember because I remember the first time that you sent us one of those. We're just like, oh, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> they started, yeah, they started making a lot of puns. Um, I think that was also just us being. We'd hit, we'd hit on the idea that we wanted. I wanted to do the like a much more human sounding tone. And we were trying to figure out what a sense of humor was for them. I think I had sent you something where like Pi was like, oh, you know, Raimi thinks I'm quite aeriform. And like that was way too much to call someone like a gas because you're funny. But from there, I think it segued. 
I, isn't that one in the game? I think yeah. it's on capacity, yeah. I think that's in the game. <laughs> yep. But then we introduced like personality clashes, that sort of thing too, because it just kept yeah. going and yeah. We definitely, was, uh, you definitely, we definitely started yeah, massaging in like, yeah, a little more interpersonal conflict, but not like too much. Um, they, them just getting more excited about things. Like I remember like the, the discovery of the quantum shard on the surface of Fertile Hollow, like that every mm. time you like you rewrote that like at, at first they were like very like scientific and by the end they're like oh my god the trees are moving exclamation point like <laughs> kind of freaking out um, it felt like a more authentic response to what a human might do to be like ah. <laughs> oh, and it helped because that's the thing like yeah. if you have that like the game has a ton of text and like we need players to like know like what the thing they should be excited about or like mm -hmm. investigating is and it's kelsey did a great job of figuring out how to like hit hit the hammer on the nail is like, just like make it so obvious without it feeling contrived. Well, it also makes the game about quantum physics more accessible, you know? It's like, it could have easily felt like too much, but everything about the game is meant to feel relatable and, you know, yeah, accessible, I guess. Not everyone's gonna be as excited about quantum mechanics inherently as we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's infectious when you play the game for sure. And nice. actually, speaking of, you know, Kelsey, you mentioned in the BAFTA acceptance speech how amazing the community have been uh, since launch, um, you know, because they've, they've, I've seen some of the fan art and everything that they've done is just incredible. Um, did you kind of anticipate that response? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, I think it was Lowen that the first time was like, um, somebody had written something, like actually like text-based like fan work and I, I you sent me that and I was just like what? <laughs> no it's it's delightful every time um there are so many covers of, of Andrew's music I was gonna there. ask Nobody yeah just, like, it's yeah so it's been yeah someone wrote like a 10 minute piano medley last week oh, wow. and like they, you can see them playing it and it's like all notated out and everything um but there's been so many like people on YouTube doing like the split screen YouTube like tons of playing a bunch of instruments at once or making remixes or I don't know it's been overwhelming I don't even know how many covers there have been at this point I try to keep track and tell everyone like that I've seen it and like great job and it's I don't know it's exciting for all of us the community that's been built behind this game it's probably got to be one of the best things when you create something to have it have it echoed back at you when people create things that are you know inspired by your creation i imagine that's got to be a really good feeling yeah there, there's Amazing. been some people that yeah that have decided to like learn how to play guitar because they're like i want to learn how to play that so i didn't know how to play guitar so i went and i bought a guitar to learn the outer wilds theme and i'm just like uh uh yeah i don't <laughs> so even know speechless when i hear stuff like that it's insane it's insane i can't believe it and Alex, what's it been like for you? I mean, to if you're saying, like you said, it started life in 2011. So like, what's it like now sitting down to play the game as a, as a more or less completed product? It's, it's, it has, so it's been really fun watching um, like people stream it on Twitch mm -hmm. um, and just see it. Cause, cause when you, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I've enjoyed most, the most, like, yeah, just watching people experience it, get excited about the things um, that, you know, we put into it, um, seeing those pieces kind of work and just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, 
we've had people say like, oh, my kid wants to be an astronaut now and just, or like, I'm going to go read a book on physics. And we're like, <laughs> okay. Um, it's weird. It's weird to see that it worked. Um, on, on, at least on some people, um, as, as well as it did. It's cool that for how long we spent working on it, that um, like we were, we were lucky enough to work on it for as long as we did to get it to the point where it works for as many people as it does. Um, and it makes it all, I don't know, it's, it's weird for it to feel like it was all worth it. Cause I don't think I ever expected that. I was like, we're gonna finish this, damn it. But <laughs> there was a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's really cool. It's, it's incredible. It's overwhelming. It's like hard to have a response to it. It's like not fully real that people are making fan art for it or people are like having these intricate discussions about the lore of the world we built. Um, because we worked really hard on it. We put, and we put a lot of time and effort like thinking about it, like into it, but it's still, it still doesn't feel, I don't know. It's, it's like, oh God, we did just kind of make like this entire world for people. And it's, and like, they feel like it's this whole world we built. Um, I guess I'm just, yeah, it's just grateful that people are like talking about it and getting into it and sharing those things with other people on the internet. Does it ever get old tuning into streams and watching people like kind of figure it out for the first time? Because like there's, I think everyone diving into it hasn't don't it takes a while to really grasp how many layers there are to to the design to the narrative to the music to everything like it is the kind of game that just rewards you the the, the you know the deeper you dig on it it is it is super fun to watch the gears the gears turn um yeah, indefinitely yeah to see their sort of that's what we're like that's the kind of we love making stuff where like you just, we just kind of dump you in these worlds um, and just like, all right, have fun. And like, <laughs> you just start peeling back the layers and you're just like, oh, oh God, what is this? Um, what is that? Museum happening? in particular. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, yes. just the, all the, the sheer volume of people who have come back and been like, oh my God, the museum tells me things. <laughs> it's relevant. <laughs> Uh, so what, is that your per personal sort of little favorite design quirk uh, of the game as a whole? Does everyone have like a favorite little corner of the universe of their own? That's a good question. Getting sucked up into the tornadoes, I think, is my favorite part. <laughs> it's still terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I remember like going into the final version of that. And as many iterations as it went through over the years, like the first time seeing what was the final form of flying through the top part of the atmosphere and not even knowing that there's going to be tornadoes on the planet and just seeing them. And you could just fly in there and get sucked up into one right away. Like you don't know. And <laughs> that to me was like so incredibly overwhelming, even after doing it a million times over years of playing that part of the game uh it's still crazy because you never know what you're going to see once you peek through Loan, do you have a favorite uh i mean the design watching watching people play always puts me sort of like in play test mode <laughs> yeah it is hard to get out of that <laughs> about what works what doesn't but even during play tests i think that the, the thing was this game in particular, why I always get like just giddy with excitation or just like eee! is when they figure out the story, when they put two and two together, when that clicks in their mind and they're like, oh, this is what happened. 
like you know and it's like that's the moment of just like i don't know every time i'm just like yes yes they, they you know they i mean it's the archaeologist feeling right of just like you just you found this ancient piece of text at the end of like a mine shaft and you're like oh this means a means b means c oh my god and it's like it changes your entire perspective of the story of of the world of what's around you and it's like, i don't know every it gets me every time i'm just like yes i do i do really love when players come up with their own like hypotheses for how something in the world works and it's like wrong but then they like and, and you're like, yeah, that's not how it is, but it's a good, that's a good idea. And then they go like test it and it, they like disprove their own, because it's like, oh, we tricked you into doing science. <laughs> um, and the fact that like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I think my favorite piece of just actual design is probably the very, the end sequence. Um, just because one, I, I never thought we'd actually get to do it. Um, and two, it's probably the most fun I had working on anything in the game, just because um, it takes place in like a different Unity scene. And like, there was just like no like restrictions on what we could do. And it was just like having fun with how to communicate these really abstract ideas. I won't spoil anything. And then working with like Kelsey on the end and then how we worked the music in, which was not originally planned. Um, you sent me just, some like, a lot of screenshots while you were figuring things out. <laughs> oh my God, I sent you that. I, I sent you a, yeah. I sent Kelsey, um, I won't spoil anything, but I sent her a picture of cer a certain certain objects stacked on top of each other, I think with the text. I think I just said, we're making art, Kelsey, art. Maybe you were having, I was pretty sure you weren't having a nervous breakdown, but like that was close. I thought the art team was gonna be like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but they helped, they were, they were like, okay, we can do this, but you have to let us like move these a little bit to make them look like not completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Okay, one last question from me and then we should turn it over to the uh, Q&A section. But, so obviously uh, you won um, original, uh, original property at BAFTAs and I think it's really, really hard to come up with an original idea these games these days, especially when it comes to games. So what are your personal tips for creating something original? Wesley, our director, has a, has a pretty great quote that he's done before in that regards, which is uh, uh, to take inspiration uh, from all forms of art, from all sources. You know, I think that the game was heavily inspired by real space explorations and movies related to that, but also by camping and actual hiking in nature and, you know, taking inspiration from, you know, the real world and other pieces of art and not necessarily just from other games. Mm. Yeah, and from people who aren't necessarily, I mean, so many of the ideas in the game is from us just talking, bouncing ideas off of people for years and years and like. And not saying no to them right away. Right. It's yes and kind of deal. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt we were all pretty true to ourselves too. Um, I know, especially with the music, like I was just writing music that I thought would be like, it was relatable to myself. And I hope was hoping to be able to convey that through um, a, like a science fiction tale, um, whether or not that music would sound like it's science fiction music in the beginning, like everything, we were all working simultaneously on crafting this world and 
in that sense, we were able to connect. That's how the world and like the writing and the music and all that, we we're just doing it all at once. We were able to make things fit really well together so that it seems like a unique uh, universe. Um, since any idea we had, we, I would be able to show Alex and Kelsey and Lon anything and say, hey, is this, what do you think about this? Maybe it could work, maybe it couldn't. And there would be times where some of the music would be taken out of the game and then later on it would be used and it might not even be in the same spot because everything had been changing so much that we would find new ways to use things. And then off of that, uh, I would start to craft music based off of these new ideas. Um, so it was very, very collaborative in that sense. Yeah. It is just a, just a gorgeous anomaly. I think the whole, the whole game and what, the way it came together. I definitely think that's something that helped just thinking about it. Um, and what Andrew was saying is um, it definitely helped that we had a few like kind of core principles that we like, we're like, no matter what, we're going to adhere to these things. And one of them was like the idea for just for example, like the players never allowed to change the world in like a dramatic or meaningful way. Okay. And, or, and, and that idea and the idea that like, this is a world where everything is ending and just sort of like these, you have like these core fixed points and then everything kind of like starts to just branch out from those fixed points. And then eventually things start to meet and like, maybe they meet really nicely and you're like, oh, cool. And then sometimes they don't and you just like have to jostle something around or take a piece from over here and plug it in. But as long as you have a few just like really solid fixed points that you care about and that you're willing to like stick to, I think, I think a few of those helped us keep everything feeling like everything fit together, even if we were drawing from very different life experiences or ideas or um, it helped it feel unified. Yeah, and it and it definitely was in the end, and it really is an incredible, incredible achievement. Right, we have very little time left because I'm sorry. I just keep I just keep asking so many questions. I've hogged all the questions for myself, so I'm gonna hop over to the Q and A. So, um, Jonathan Hackett asks, uh, was there any unusual research you undertook when making this game? Logan did. Yep, I was gonna. Logan yep. like researched black hole math to like render that thing. <laughs> and atmospheric light diffusion to try <laughs> to recreate like not realistic but realistically looking atmospheres from orbit and such whoa there was one point where we were trying we were going through like every like every 3d visualization of a supernova that had ever been committed to anything um i think we finally used the one from the new the new series um the new cosmos series as like our reference point um, oh, a uh, question from uh, Manav. Uh, sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. Um, question particularly for Andrew. What made you choose the banjo? I can't begin to describe how perfect an instrument that is for exploring space. How did you choose it? Um, I think Alex can chime in on this too. Uh, I mean, Campfire, of course, you're going to think guitar first. And we ended up using guitar in the end for Timber Hearth, but I think it was, I was just trying to like being so heavily influenced by the Zelda series and seeing how they would take instruments that you would never even expect to be in that world and use them. Like to me, there was something very charming about an astronaut playing a banjo in space that just see and 
figuring out a way to make that work and feel real and create emotion was an, a very, just a really exciting idea to me. And I, that still goes back to writing the main title, like at the very, very, very beginning of all this. And that really was the through line. Um, and it, it worked from the beginning. And I think I was super excited about that and all the ways I could affect the banjo and seeing it through effects pedals and turning it into like a textural instrument, but also still keeping it with the, I mean, the original idea of just playing an astronaut playing a banjo around a campfire. Uh, it's one of those themes that just, it, every so often, it'll just, it'll just sort of strum into my head unannounced. And I think it's just, that's always going to be the way now. And I've kind of made my peace with that. It is, they're right. It's just so perfect. Um, Alexi asks, uh, did you experience stretches of time where you lost motivation to work on the game? How did you get out of that funk? I imagine that might've been the case since it was such a long production time, really. I'm trying to uh, think. I mean, I'll to that, but yeah. yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> Yeah, there were definitely times where just, you know, trying to iterate on something and get it right felt, you know, not even the iteration part, but just once you're doing enough of that work, sometimes it starts to feel just kind of like, it gets to be, you know, it gets to be uh, a bit samey. And usually what happens is, uh, this happens with writing a lot, I think, for any medium, is you just kind of have to put your head down and, and keep going at it. And then eventually, hopefully at least, you get hit with something that you find inspiring again. So usually what would happen is I'd find out something new that was going on with like design or art or whatever music and get excited about that and then kind of come back around. Um, sometimes you can also kind of, you know, if you're targeting one area, switch it up, work on something else for a while if possible. But, you know, motivation waxes and wanes for sure. And some of it is, you can't rely on, on you know, big bursts of inspiration for all of it unfortunately so sometimes it's just putting your head down and getting the work done um dante asks each planet feels like it's part of a different science fiction subgenre what were some of the influences in creating the different planets the main influence for those planets was we needed we needed things that changed over like about 22 minutes um and so we like we wanted one that fell apart we wanted, I, there, there was a day back during thesis here where like, I remember because um, we hadn't decided what the planets were going to be and it was starting to be like a problem. Um, and there was, I, we had a white, we, I was like up in the gill, uh, up in the lab up, upstairs and, and there was a whiteboard um, and I was just like, oh God, okay, I'm just gonna start doodling a bunch of things. We just need to pick some planets. Um, and that's where, that, like, that's where we had, like, that was like the Hourglass Twins, I think Dark Bramble and it's like, oh, a, like a gas giant, like of some sort. So which makes it sound random, <laughs> um, but like, you know, we're random by the team. Um, Giant's Deep didn't act, wasn't actually a water planet for like another like three, four months or something like that. Um, but we had, when you only have six planets, we just tried to pick things that were like wildly different from each other so that each area would feel very unique. A Dark Bramble, we were like, we need one area that's like entirely zero G because that's a main mechanic in the game. So that was kind of easy. Um, we're like one planet falls apart your home planet's pretty much earth you're in a crater so you can't tell that you're on a tiny planet at first sand flowing back and forth made sense for the time loop comets are cool and they have cool orbits um that was kind of it so um 
Adam Prallo, don't know if it's if there are any uh, any relation to you, Andrew, uh, says any humorous bugs during development. <laughs> I oh, introduced a bug in an XML file once, a, a text file that killed the player on startup. Whoa! <laughs> Still don't know how I did that. <laughs> One of the benefits of having everything driven by physics is we had some really, really good bugs. Um, there was the, the comet hitting Timber Hearth was a thing. Yeah. Um, one time I, I started the game, there were like villagers like upside down, like in the zero G cave, like they were bats. That was just <laughs> disturbing, actually. Um, you remember any, Loan? So many, so many, too hard to count. Yeah, there's just like too many. The, the fun I part there... was figuring out if something was a bug, because so many times things were not bugs, right? Yeah. It's like, we're like, why is why does the is the player just like smashed to death here? What what's causing this? It's clearly a bug, and it's like it wasn't a bug. It's just the comet's orbit at some point did smash into Timberhurst and hit you. You know, it's like at some point players were actually after release players were like, my ship exploded, <laughs> like just out of random. Like this is a bug. And then we figured out later that it's not. It's the the probe launched from James Deep. Sometimes it's the ship. Very, 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 very rarely. But enough players and you get cases like this where like, yep, that that's gonna happen. And you're just wandering around the village and then the ship explodes and you're like, what? <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. So um Anonymous attendee asks, uh, how did the Mobius team react to the best game when the game is a masterclass in respecting the player's intelligence and is 100% a worthy winner? But I imagine that still came as something of a surprise versus some of the more mainstream nominees. We were thrilled. I, something of a surprise doesn't even begin <laughs> the thrill of actually... <laughs> First off, getting nominated against all these huge projects, and second, actually winning. Like, it's absolutely unbelievable, <laughs> and I couldn't be more grateful. Amazing. Um, I, yeah, well, we, we've kind of overrun. There's loads and loads of more questions here, um, but uh, I'll, I'll end on, I'll end on uh, this one from Robert Reed, which is, as, as they say, not a question, but nobody else is doing any. So I wanted to say thank you so much for Outer Wilds. This is a wonderful, unique, and altogether lovely game, and you deserve every bit of praise it's gotten. The story, the planets, the music, the know my conversations, and the writing systems, the art style, everything about it is delightful. Thank you so much. Um, and I will just echo that and say thank you guys so much for creating something so, so special. And yes, every one of those BAFTA game uh, award wins were entirely, entirely deserved. So thank you guys. What's next for you? <laughs> I'm sneaking uh, another one at the end. That's what I'm up to. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> Fair it's enough. a totally normal thing, not weird at all. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone watching and who played the game or is going to play the game or Yeah. Well, uh I'll 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 get it in there really quickly as well because I think you guys are too nice to say, but it's actually out on Steam today. So um yeah, if if you have yet to dive into Outer Wilds, there's a, there's yet another play, way that you can play it now. So thank you guys so so much again. Um thank you so much for chatting with us and being so generous with your time.
thank you so much for having us. Thank Great. you so much. Awesome. And thank you again so much to the team at BAFTA for, um, for organizing this. Uh, thank you to Lewis, to Sam, and to everyone. And we will see you all again very soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.